listening to the Money Monopolizers Podcast, helping you take control of your financial destiny. It's about time that we invest more in our financial literacy and work towards building generational wealth. If you think you're ready to do the same, then you've come to the right place. Alex, Marlon, y'all ready? Let's get this bread. What's good, everybody? It's Alex Camuno here. We are back with episode 32 of the Money Monopolizers podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Marlon Walls. Marlon, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing good as always. I'm actually excited for this episode. Looking forward to uh, getting into it. Um, we, we actually already recorded it, but I think a lot of our listeners are going to resonate really well with, uh, with our guest speakers today. Um, you want to introduce them real quick? Yeah, for sure. So today we got, you know, like Marlon said, we got a great episode for y'all. Um, we are rocking with Charm City buyers today, Khalil and Kiara um, out of Baltimore, Maryland. So, you know, they got they got a lot going on. Um, definitely, definitely got to tune in. There's a lot of value they're going to be giving. Um, they I mean, I call them celebrities at the end of the episode, but, you know, they look kind of hard. They got some they got some clout on IG and, you know, they uh, they have 20 rental units. <laughs> so, you know, that's a pretty significant amount of uh, rental properties. Uh, they achieve financial freedom um, or retirement you know, by the, before they were 30. So that's also significant, both of them too. Um, you know, they've been investing as a, as a, as a couple. So, you know, that's, that's cool to see. Uh, you don't see that a lot, but that's definitely dope to see. Um, what else they did? They had a long resume. Um, <laughs> they did a lot. Oh, their first rehab was $120,000 mm-hmm. um, when they first, you know, hopped into it. So, you know, they had a, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So y'all definitely got to, uh, you know, stay locked in for this one. Marlon, what do you think about it? Man, I, I love their mindset more than anything else because they're right out the gate that they were just not afraid to take action. And where, whereas a lot of other people would be so fearful to take that first step. Because I'm thinking about when they said they said they were very young and they were just really ambitious more than anything else. Like how they just hop, hopped in their first rehab, like you said, 120,000. I know our first rehab was like 10K or something. And we were <laughs> like, oh man, just shiver. Like, here we go. But no, yeah. they, 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 they got right on out there and they said, you know what, no looking back at worst case scenario, we're going to just fall back on our job at the end of the day. If all like if we lose all of our money, we still we still got our jobs. We can still make our money back and keep on moving. And that's the mindset I think I think a lot of our listeners need to take away from this episode. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, facts. I mean, you know, to each their own. To me, that's a. I would hate to fall back on my job, but that's just me personally. <laughs> but you know, it's it's a good, it's a great, great fallback. You know, if your fallback is everyone else's average, I know you always say it's, that, or everyone yep. else's normal, then that's a good uh, fallback. Um, but yeah, you know. Also, by the way, disclaimer for this episode, because I know in the uh, previous or a couple episodes ago, episode thirty, we talked a lot about taxes. And really, anytime we talk about taxes in any capacity on this show, I have neglected to uh, kind of state that I am not a <laughs> CPA or I'm not someone that is giving you any you know, legal advice. If you want legal tax or any type, not even legal advice, tax advice. If you want tax advice, you need to go talk to a tax accountant. Don't talk to Alex Camuno. Alex <laughs> Camuno is not going to get in trouble for you. So <laughs> I'm just saying, go, go, go do that. Um, but that's just a disclaimer. I ain't, I'm not, uh, you know, I have not said that. So, and I know I talk about taxes a lot cause I love talking about taxes, but from here on out and if in the past disclaimer, I am not a CPA. I'm not giving no tax advice. So, but yeah, um, I think that's everything. So, I mean, without further ado, let's, let's get into it. All right, so hey, Kiara and hey, Khalid, how y'all doing today? What's good, up? good. How are, you? how are you? Doing good. We're doing good. Appreciate y'all coming on the show. Um, we definitely, you know, hope to have a super uh, enlight- enlightening and value uh, conversation full of a lot of value for um, our listeners, which I'm sure we ha- we will. But um, yeah, let's kind of get right into it. I know, you know, I've been, I was like kind of reading y'all's bio and um, just, I, I'm not gonna lie, I stalked y'all's IG page and y'all's uh, <laughs> Uh, Twitter page just to kind of see what y'all had going on. And y'all got really a lot going on. <laughs> What's up? I said not Twitter. I usually act up on Twitter a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay. 
<laughs> yeah, y'all got a lot going on, and we definitely, you know, we want to dive into a lot of that because um, there's a lot to really unpack and um, talk about. So let's get right into it. I think what we want to do kind of is just know about your background and like pre real estate and like the things y'all are doing now, what y'all had going on like before that in terms of like your job and your upbringing with finances and those kind of things, and then kind of work into like what y'all's uh, real estate business looks like today. All right, cool, dope. So, um, yeah, I'm Khalil, Baltimore native, born and raised. Um, met Kiara in college. Uh, we went to different schools, but they were rival schools and fell in love. And then we started to jump right into kind of what our next phase of life is. We didn't want to go out all the time and we were okay, we're okay with not traveling at the time. Um, you know, now things have shifted a bit, but um, you know, we, we, we started to jump into the real estate thing um, feet first. What was interesting about my upbringing is that my parents stressed a lot of financial, I call it financial defense. So like mm -hmm. saving money, paying off stuff, um, trying to eliminate as much debt as possible, using coupons, like a lot of that defensive tactical stuff. Um, whereas, uh, you know, they weren't quite as, um, I guess, naturally oriented towards the offensive side, but yeah. that that defensive side is what helped me to save uh, close to $20,000 to get us started. Wow. Yeah, so I grew up very, um, so it's funny because Cole and I balance each other out in so many different ways. Um, and so he was really what we call like financial defense, which is saving, um, being really smart with your expenses, not, you know, overindulging, kind of living living off the land sometimes mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and my my upbringing and my style was more so of um um definitely you know we grew up we had we didn't really want for much right to be completely honest um i grew up with more of a probably more of an abundance type um yeah, no uh, influence right and more so you know, you can, um, my mom always used to say, do what you got to do so you can do what you want to do, right? Mm -hmm. So um, constantly looking towards hard work and building your income and doing all those types of things so that you can do whatever you wanted. And so um, we balance each other out because I'm like, all right, like, okay, if I want to go on this trip or if I want to do X, Y, and Z, I'm going to hustle and I'm going to make it happen. And close gonna make sure I don't, um, you know, accidentally buy a person in, in the meantime, <laughs> um, which I don't do that. That's just an example. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, so I was more of of the financial offense, as as he and I call it. And so um, growing up, I was always really really interested in um, stocks, in business, in real estate specifically. Actually, so I grew up in a town where. Um, farmland was being sold and houses were being built new construction. And so I always watched like that transition of communities changing and then what impact that had in the community around it. And so that was always really interesting to me. And so I used to be like, mom, let's go buy this house when I was like 10, 12. And she's like, what are That's you a good talking right about? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And for the record, I totally told her to buy Google and Amazon when they IPO'd, and I was like 14. <laughs> so um, she didn't, but I told her to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she remembers. She'll tell people that that is 100% true. So um, so that's kind of like where, how I grew up. And so I always felt like I was going to um, climb the corporate ladder. I was going to be, you know, running somebody else's business. And so I met Khalil and kind of got more exposed to, wait, why do I have to run somebody else's? Why can't I run my own? And that's kind of how we started that conversation around entrepreneurship together, starting and building a business. And that actually transitioned into real estate being the best fit for us as two people with, you know, two different upbringings, two different styles of doing things. We usually look at two problems and try to solve it two different ways. But two people who were trying to figure out how do we go about this and build our dreams and, and accomplish our goals together as a unit. And real estate became what made the most sense. I mean, y'all really, I could tell, especially you, y'all had the a really a structured mindset prior to even getting into everything already so you kind of already had like ambitions and goals and you had like a definite plan for your life already you just didn't necessarily have the vehicle yet to that you knew you were going to take um use. so i mean y'all ended up you know obviously going to real estate so what made y'all kind of uh look at real estate as like 
something that I know you kind of you, you mentioned you saw the land and the things growing up, but like obviously you get older and you kind of look at practically what made you what appealed to you about real estate for both of y'all. Yeah, so there were so many different things that we were looking at. Um, in high school, we, my friends and I, we had a little entertainment business. We used to go out to different areas in, in rural Baltimore um, and throw parties and um, sell tickets, invite people, have a good time. It, it, it swelled up to a good amount. Um, so then when Kiara and I met that entrepreneurship side kept on flaring up, um, we did a lot of vision boarding and trying to understand what we were looking for and why we were looking for it. And one of the big things that kept popping up, a couple of big things actually, um, residual income. Mm -hmm. So that ongoing kind of monthly cash flow to mm -hmm. keep the vehicle moving, mm -hmm. um, community benefit. We want to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's going to positively impact whatever community we're, we're, we're looking to, to work inside of, um, and then um, wealth, right? Generational long-term wealth, mm -hmm. um, figuring out a way to pass something down and keep it going. And that, that's a, such a wide um, kind of criteria, such a, such, such a checklist that allows for so many different things. Um, but real estate was the one that, that resonated the most with Kiara. I was down for whatever. Um, <laughs> when she said, let's, let's buy a house, I'm like, all right, cool, let's do it. <laughs> and it just made sense. It yeah. was like check, check, check. All right, cool. Right. I love okay. the partnership that y'all have that y'all have going on as y'all came together. Cause you talking about like how you were just a big saver, at Khalil, and like you you basically just have all the money like set aside. Like you were always taught defensive. Like okay, I'm gonna just make sure that I'm not just spending uh, ferociously, like just and being a victim of lifestyle creep, as I like to call. And more and Kira, you're more so like a visionary. Like you're the one that has a that, that like wants to go out and try new things or like just try to figure out a way to best utilize this money. So that's like a perfect partnership that y'all had going on like right from the get-go it sounds like and i like how y'all describe real estate as like something that can help the community as a, as opposed to like how many people view real estate investors as like just greedy people who want who want all the money in the world and don't want anybody else like to and worry about to suffer while they make all these gains now real estate like investors that they are really solving people's problems like they are providing a solution to somebody's problem like if somebody needs a home like you're really providing housing for people at the end of the day so you're actually helping the community and then that's giving back to you because you're you're first giving to someone else and so um i guess we want to start moving forward a little bit now into um like your first deal and stuff like so what the, what did your first deal look like where was it like can you give us like a few generic numbers on what, what that looked like for you yeah for sure so we so we we're trying to figure it out we decided on real estate and we knew from a numbers perspective we decided that um multi-family deals made sense right the law of numbers you have multiple tenants and all of them are putting into the pot to pay for one roof right mm. Um, and so that just made sense. And so after um, I graduated college, I actually moved to Connecticut. Um, and so we were in Connecticut because Chloe moved uh, shortly thereafter to, to mm -hmm. come hang out with me because he missed me. <laughs> yeah, of course. So, um, so we were in Connecticut. And so there was, um, we bought a three unit shell. Um, so it was a three unit um, house. We had planned to wholesale it. Um, but we bought it free and clear from an auction and then we were going to wholesale it. So kind of like double closing, um, like mm -hmm. a little bit of a longer tail double close was the plan. And then um, so we bought it for about twenty six thousand dollars. We were going to wholesale it, but we quickly found out that um, we had bought in the hood of the hood. Right. <laughs> um, so so we didn't know where neither one of us were from Connecticut and all that kind of stuff. So we didn't really know. We just knew. The numbers made sense. We went over into that area and didn't feel a type of way, right? We mm -hmm. were over there and we'd hang out and check it out and we'd be inside and outside and talking to neighbors or whatever. Again, born and raised in Baltimore. Born, Yeah, he was born and raised in Baltimore. I'm, I'm from the sticks in Pennsylvania, but I know how to get around. Mm -hmm. So um, so we were, we were there and we were chilling. So we didn't realize it until after we bought it. So it was funny. Did our due diligence and, and well, due diligence and <laughs> <laughs> um, as new investors, right? And not having resources, guidance, tools. We were just out here trying to figure it out. And so we bought the house and we were sitting on the front stoop for whatever reason. Um, I guess to claim it as ours. I don't know. <laughs> and um, a neighbor walked up and was like, yo, y'all just bought this house? And we're like, yeah. You know, we're, we're a year, yeah. year, year and a half out of college. Um, so we're super young and excited. And it was like, don't you know the street called murder? And we were like, <laughs> I'm sorry, can you uh can you run that by me again? 
And so that kind of set off this, wow. this chain of trying to wholesale a house that everyone knew that the area was called murder, the street was called murder, but us. Um, but again, we knew the numbers made sense. And beyond that, like we were building relationships with the neighbors. Like we were able to make connections. We kind of got a vibe for for what this hood was about. And and what happened was it kind of planted this seed in us um, around taking these vacant houses and making them homes because communities deserve that, but also investing in the what we called forgotten neighborhoods. So the neighborhoods that a lot of investors overlook um, or drive past or, or shy away from. And so that ended up actually becoming a foundation for everything we've done since. Um, but what happened was that we, we had this house, it was in an area called, street called murder, nobody wanted to buy it from us. And so we were like, look, like it's time to roll up our sleeves and, and figure it out. And so what we did was we shared what we were trying to accomplish. We shared our story. We like, you know, we're the cute young couple trying to figure it out. Um, and connected with a nonprofit with a similar mission as to ours at that point. And um, and they worked with us and we we were able were able to secure $120,000 to do the renovation. And so that was our first deal. We bought it for $26,000. Um, we ended up doing about $120,000 renovation using uh, funding from a nonprofit. Uh, put, you know, turn that shell, made made it home for three different families and, and kept it rocking and moving from there. Yeah, so our, our first tenant is still an active tenant of ours, still calls it home. Um, we do a few creative things to make sure that everybody's happy and it stays as stable as possible because when your state's away, you got to make sure that your property is as stable as possible, even if that means sacrificing a couple dollars. Um, the numbers made sense. Like Kiara said, it's not like the nonprofit saw us and just decided, okay, let's try. No, yeah. it, it was the a numbers made sense. Yeah, it was a free and clear property because we had pretty much paid cash for it. Um, when we when the nonprofit approached us, they were gonna be in first position. So if anything went wrong, they get paid first. Um, the ARV substantiated the $120,000 loan. Uh, and we had a construction uh, team that had already worked with the nonprofit. So everything was kind of lining up in a way that allowed us to, to knock out this one. Since that first one, we were able to go up and see a lot of big changes in the area. Other blighted houses on that street are now not blighted. Uh, there's a community garden. They've redone the roads. Uh, things are starting to look really, really good in the area. So we were happy that we were able to kind of jumpstart some, mm -hmm. some uh, positive change there. Wow, that's that's a crazy story because okay, well, first of all, that was okay, that was 2012, right? 2012. Mm -hmm. So I know back then, like, I mean, we just started investing in 2018 and getting into real estate in 2018 when we're pretty much, you know, you know how the market is right now. Um, but in 2012, that was 10 years ago when what I heard from other investors, they always say, Man, you have to be blind not to be able to see a good deal back then because you know, it was just an abundance of good deals because it was on the, you know, after the brink of the um, uh, housing crash. So, I mean, at that point, were y'all like looking like anything or were you just like, and because also that was $120,000 rehab for your, you know, your first deal pretty much. How, mm -hmm. that's, that's pretty significant, you know, <laughs> for anybody really, even if it's not your first deal, that's a pretty big, huge thing to doing. Were y'all that that didn't intimidate y'all or is it like i don't know ignorance is bliss or what what is it <laughs> it's, exactly it, ignorance is bliss we always say we were too young to like know that we were supposed to be scared right we were too um young and ambitious probably a little arrogant um but we were like all right like this is what we're doing let's figure it out and so we sat down with the contractor again he had a relationship with the nonprofit we had worked with so we trusted him and and planned it all out and you know, we had a schedule, we had a scope of work, we had um, inspections throughout the process because it was a construction loan. So typically there's inspections when you're doing draws for uh, for funding. But um, but yeah, we were we were too young to have the fear. And I think we were also, you know, being younger not only gives you that benefit, right, of, of kind of, you know, you have a little bit of extra pep in your step, um, but also you have room to fail. Right. Like we had room to fail at 22 years old exactly. if something was to happen to, to be able to, to recover and build back up. We were both working full time. 
um, both had decent jobs. So if push came to shove, uh, we would have just moved in that joint, like, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, and we would have ended up house hacking. And that was yeah. honestly mm. one of the things that Clue wanted to do with that house in the first place was to move into a unit and rent out the others. Now, again, Kiera being the woman of of abundance, I was like, I intend to move over there. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, you know, in hindsight, I think that would have been a really smart decision. But we had kind of hedged our bets. Like, we had a plan B. Yeah. Um, and and had a plan C, honestly, and, and so we could have been really flexible. Um, but we were definitely at the point where you're a little bit too young and naive to know that what you're doing is a little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, and we didn't tell anyone, and that's the other piece. <laughs> so like point. it was just us, right? Being ambitious and being young and being um, very um, action oriented towards our goals, but we also didn't tell anyone to tell us to be scared. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that was part of of that as well is there was nobody there to say, well, how are you doing a renovation for one hundred twenty thousand by people who have never earned one hundred twenty thousand dollars in a year? Right. How am I? How are you 22 years old and, and playing with that kind of money? And whether it be malicious or not, which I think a lot of times when you tell your friends and family what you're aiming to do and they give you ne negative feedback, it's not always malicious. But it happens and you start to plant those seeds of doubt. And so we didn't have, we didn't give anyone the opportunity to plant those seeds of doubt. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a major key because, you know, but a lot of, a lot of times when people like look at it from, you know, getting in at a young age there, I don't, I don't think they have the right perspective. A lot of people look at it like they should, they should be scared because of you're young. No, you should be more excited to do it and more, you know, ready to get into it because you're young. Because I always said, look, I mean, I could lose hundred thousand dollars while i'm 22 years old but i'm gonna be good like I, i'm gonna recover from that it's a lot different from losing a hundred thousand dollars when you are 30 or 40 years old and you, you have two kids. you got a house payment you got a car you payment got you got real responsibilities at that point mm -hmm. when you fresh out of college it's like as long as you have decent credit and you got a small nest egg hey the world is your oyster it'll right. never get easier right right <laughs> what, I what I love the most about that is how you say you didn't tell anybody else what y'all were doing, because I always hear a quote that says, if you tell big, big dreams to a small minded person, they will try to dwarf your dreams and try to bring it back down to their level. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's the, the beautiful thing about not being scared to take to like take the leap and take the first step, because you never know where it's going to take you. But people will try to always tell you not to take that step because they haven't done it themselves or they fear the unknown or what may happen. And so that's like just by, by y'all taking that step, was, that, that pushed propelled y'all to where y'all are now just because y'all were fearless and willing to take a chance on yourself exactly we didn't tell nobody until we were at a point where nobody could tell us anything right? exactly <laughs> multiple units by the time we started really telling yeah we probably almost had 10 mm -hmm. we were probably close to 10 units before we told anybody that we were even buying houses at all and we didn't own our personal home for the first several yeah we're still units. renting ourselves yeah so then Okay. Which hurt my heart again financial defense i'm like we got to figure out a way to <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So, okay, so then how come, um, well, let's get into like, well, okay, so y'all graduated like 2011. Did y'all have student loans, I guess? Let's talk mm -hmm. about that real quick. So yeah. a lot of people look at that as, okay, this is, I can't invest because I have student loans. But y'all didn't necessarily, I guess, let that hold y'all back. How, what perspective did y'all have going into that with student loans in terms of like investing? Yeah, like, I mean, and student loans are real, but we went to um, expensive colleges let's be honest so um so we understand kind of that the whole um issue with student loans but what was unique about us and our um journey is that we were creative with how we got access to funding so a lot of the houses and a lot of the funding sources that we used didn't necessarily need or require us to have a certain debt to income ratio we weren't working with banks at all and cool. so um, so that was that was big. Number one, um, two. Again, we had we had good jobs. So I don't think either one of us was. Although we had student loans, I don't think either one of us was concerned about a payment. Um, and so that's. I know that's. I know that sounded very like. <laughs> but but really, we we weren't really concerned about about a payment, right? We had um, our check-ins and our savings was straight, right? Our income was definitely um, more than our expenses, and so. Um, the student loans didn't, it was never a thought for- Yeah, no, I think, um, so for, for me, I graduated 2010. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I had gotten a substantial track and field scholarship to college. It wasn't a full scholarship, but it was enough so that, you know, I didn't have 20 plus thousand dollars in student loans when I graduated. So it was very, very yeah, manageable, sure very manageable for me. So when we approached the nonprofit for, for the first one, for example, they, they understood the cash flow management and the cash flow position that we were in together. Um, and they, it, it made a lot of sense for them to go ahead and, and park their money with us in this house. Right. Um, I think with people with student loans, there's a lot of different programs starting to come out. Um, and if, if individuals are, are really looking and keeping their ear to the streets, there's, there's a, a lot of talk about student loans and some programs are allowing student loans to be rolled into uh, um, a FHA mortgage. loan mm -hmm. for your mortgage for your house. Mm -hmm. There are some programs, there are states, uh, I know Maryland did this recently, there's a tax credit where they give you a portion of your student loan payment back. Um, in the form of Maryland state income taxes, they'll they'll give you up to I think it's up to fifteen hundred dollars, mm -hmm. which you know is 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 helpful for somebody who's paying a couple hundred bucks a month. Yeah, um, I so, think we're we're very solutions oriented. Yeah, right. Yeah, so okay. so if you're if your student loans is something that you're having a challenge with, because first of all, they're not playing with you, right? So you you go and pay them back yeah. one way. Oh or yeah, for sure. like, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't play yourself. <laughs> and so really, it's like, how do you? figure out how to how do you break it down like it's a few hundred dollars a month if you're lucky i know some people's is, is more than that um but but it's about you know positioning yourself to be able to to get the income to, to pay it and and hustle and figure it out and beyond that and i think even more importantly it's how are we talking about student loans with current college students or future college students so that while you're in college and you getting them refund checks we're using them as responsible, um, you know, folks who have a loan that's going to be paid back, right? And we're having conversations about like, what is it that you want to do after college? Okay, now does it make sense for you to go to Princeton if your calling and your passion is around something that's not going to pay you Princeton? Construction. Construction or mm -hmm. yeah, something that you can go to a trade school or things like that. Like it's it's not um, the world isn't one size fits all. And that's why the student loans and all the stuff that's coming out doesn't fit everybody, yeah. um, because I think we're all trying to, you know, fall in line um, with what you're quote unquote supposed to do. But at the end of the day, we have to start having these conversations earlier. So we're not running into folks who can't find jobs and they have all these student loans um, and no income to pay them. Yeah. We literally just talked about this last week. We released an episode about this last week talking about student loans and is, is college right for everyone? And the biggest thing we're talking about was we can't just be telling 18-year-old kids the same thing, like, oh, you got to go to get this four-year degree, when in reality, there is, you know, that's the sexy thing to do, but there's way more viable options, like, you know, going to trade school and literally getting a $60,000 salary as a plumber or electrician or something like that. That's going to be a valuable trade in society. So... Definitely. Um, and even if you do have student loans, like being a, an autodidact and just going after, you know, all the programs out there and learning all the programs that are out there instead. Because a lot of people will just complain, oh, I got student loans, I got student loans. But what are you doing to actually kind of find solutions to actually eradicate these student loans, right? There's programs out there, but a lot of people see them because they're not even looking. So. Exactly. Exactly. It's tough, but like if if you're really if you're complaining about something, and everybody else is complaining about something. Eventually, politicians are going to hear it, and yeah. they are obligated to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So keep your ears out and, and voice your opinion, and eventually there will be some programs to help out. There's money right. out there. There's, There's certainly money, money out, there. out there, and you have to do the work. Like let's let's get out of the the uh, the pattern these days about sitting back and everyone complaining about everything, right? And I'm not gonna be, you know, a complete jerk on this, but I think that there is a lot to be said about people who take action against the issues that they're facing versus sitting back and it's like, what was me? Like, what was everybody, right? What are we gonna do to, to change the reality and do something about it? And I think as we continue to have conversations, I think that that I love, I call it like the renaissance. I know a lot of people are talking about like the renaissance that's happening right now. Everyone's getting so excited about change and just being creative and making things happen and pushing forward. And I think that that's, that's awesome. Um, and it just needs to continue, right? Yeah. Push forward. Let's find solutions and not harp on the problems. Thanks. Kiara is speaking with that passion right now. You just hear it in your voice. Yes, I see you. So it sounds like y'all y'all are very 
pros being a solution-based or solution-driven. Like y'all, whatever problem is presented to you, you're going to find a way to, to get over it and not use that as like a crutch to be like, oh, I can't do this because of this. Whatever is presented to you, you're going to be like, okay, I can't, uh, this is in my way. What can I do or how can I uh, solve this problem? How can I get overcome this obstacle? So yeah. that, that's like, like you said, with student loans. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was saying, yeah, exactly. Eventually, right? You take, you take your little 24 hours to figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Have a moment. Yeah. It would be normal, but yeah, you got to figure it out. And sometimes the solution is it, it takes time. Like you just yeah. got to keep chipping away at it at, at that same pace and yeah. eventually knock down that wall. <laughs> yeah. And that's what ultimately leads you to, to your success that you've obtained today. So um, I don't know if Alex, you had anything to say or you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was just going to because I want to kind of hear more about their story in terms of like where y'all are now. And yeah. like, I know y'all have achieved financial freedom now. And I really wanted to get into that in terms of like what how many units it really took for y'all to achieve financial freedom mm -hmm. and when you were able to leave the job. And even if you can get into the numbers, if you know, I ain't trying to pocket count or nothing. But, you know, if y'all are comfortable doing that, you can. But. Um, you know, just kind of talking about that and how, how what y'all, what your business looks like now and those kind of things. Yeah, it's funny. And I know you, go ahead. Go, you sure? Yeah, go for it. Tech team. Boom. Um, so, um, rentals from a rental perspective, we're, um, right around, uh, 20 units, um, of, of rental units. Um, so our rentals are kind of our foundation. So we started with rentals. Um, we really focus on, on having rental properties. And then we also have a host of construction projects on top of that. So homes that we're renovating um, to sell. Um, and so there's uh, five, uh, yeah, we got... two, three, four, five, like five or six um, that we are in different stages of construction on. Um, so there's a lot of projects like that we do and a lot of stuff that we have. Uh, but really right now we've been more so, even more so focused on um, how do we impact projects that other people have? How do we build home ownership in Baltimore? How do we make sure that as Baltimore, Maryland transitions and changes and like is pushed forward in really crazy ways, how do we make sure that we're positioning people to ride that wave to the top? Um, alongside the market. And so we're doing a lot of things with other people. Um, so I'll, you know, we have the 20 units, we have our own construction projects, but we're in control of like a host yeah. of, of projects, um, whether as a developer um, or as even guiding people as a, as a mentor. We, you know, we do a lot of, of coaching and, and getting people started and investing and helping them to scale their business here in Baltimore. But we're doing a lot. A whole lot right yeah, now. There are multiple, um, <laughs> multiple different areas, and real estate is such a creative space where, mm -hmm. um, between you know construction and owning a rental or managing the uh, property management side, all these different pieces of the real estate um, pie. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's so many different ways to to continue to add value to others. Yeah, and we're that's that's what we're really looking forward to. We 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 always look for ways where we can add value to um, as many people as possible to shift this misunderstanding that no, I can't do it because I'm too young or no, I can't do it because I don't have the money or no, I can't do it because, because, because. Right. And we're like, no, there's there's absolutely ways to do it. If you stick with us, we can show you how. Right. You, you two right here is exactly what we're looking for in, in this community, in the country in general. Like somebody who has figured out a way and isn't afraid to uh, take a stand and be like, I, I'm going to go back and reach for more people and try to teach them how how I did what I did to get here and show them that it can be done, regardless of the fears that you may have saying I can't do it because of this. So, so um, Khalil, you had kind of mentioned how, you know, you had got into uh, creative financing and using implementing a bunch of those strategies to kind of build y'all's portfolio. So as far as like, you know, you had the 20 units now, uh, what kind of creative financing strategies did y'all use or really financing strategies in general to build the portfolio up to where it is today um, and that other people would be able to implement as well? Man, so one of the beautiful things about real estate and how we've done it is that we were able to figure out ways by using OPM, other people's money, to make these transactions come to life. So for the first deal, and I'm, I'm not going to step through every single deal, but for the first deal, for example, we actually, we it was our first experience with a property tax credit. So we got a blighted property tax credit to keep our property taxes low um, based on the condition of the house and what we were looking to do and its current assessed value. And then um, we coupled that on top with a nonprofit to help finance the con construction loan. 
Uh, we used equity also for the acquisition. Our second deal was a combination of seller financing as well as um, uh, private, uh, lender. Pr private money lender. So um, we had a, a private individual with, with some money come into the deal um, and we had the seller hold some of the deal and then we put it together and, um, and uh, made it beneficial for everybody. But ev every single deal has been structured in a way that, that allows for us to um, maximize the profit and, and, and hold on to as much of the units and as much of the equity as possible. It's been a fantastic ride. Oh man, that's <laughs> OPM. That's the best strategy available to anyone. I know yeah. it's like, um, you know, because obviously when you're using other people's money, you're getting crazy ROIs, mm -hmm. like, because obviously you, if you don't have any capital invested, then the <laughs> ROI is out the roof. So the, the fact that y'all are able to implement, implement that and take advantage of that is just shows to, you know, it just goes to show that y'all really know what y'all are doing. Um, yeah, and, and what's dope is that we're, we're continuing to learn more and more strategies. So we're just starting to implement more heavy tax credits. We're just really starting to scratch the surface of grants and yeah. getting public public dollars in, into projects so that you can accomplish both the city and, and the state's needs, but you can also um, uh, accomplish your, your, your own needs as, as well, allowing yourselves to be more or less a conduit through which the um, organizations are able to, to, to thrive. Yeah, we, it's, it's like transitioning. So like OPM, we use OPM as investors, right? And so you structure the deal for each individual property. And so you sell or finance, you use private money, you're using nonprofits, you're doing subject to like whatever it is, right? And we've done a little bit of it all. And now it's um, as we've transitioned really from investor to developer is, well, how are like the big boys doing it, right? How are the folks that are buying up um, and building like strip malls, right? How do they structure their deals? And so um, that's kind of where we are now is using those types of strategies to be able to, to buy property. Um, so we talk a lot about folks using grants to buy their personal home, like first time home buyer grants and, and all those types of things, which is awesome. But a lot of times those aren't available to investors. And so there's kind of like a whole other ball game um, for, for developers um, and so that's what we've been focusing on for the, probably the last year or so and continue to focus uh, yeah. probably for the next few years. And everything we learn, we continue to teach. Yeah, we oh, share. Yeah. Yeah. We love sharing it. Yeah, we share. Our next gen folks are kind of along the, jo the journey with us, which is really cool. Um, and they're super excited about because, you know, OPM is cool and everyone gets excited about that. But like this whole like free money thing, like that's a whole other buggy. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. I loved it. So, Marlon, do you did you want to comment on that? <clears throat> I don't have much to comment on, but I just I like the fact that I, of how they always uh, give back with everything that they're doing. So you learn something new and you immediately go start teaching it. I think you learn the most when you actually start trying to teach it yourself. So you like you learn the holes that you don't know as well. And you'd be like, OK, let me go back and refresh on that. So I make sure I know how to teach it better for next time. I know that okay. we that served both of us very well, like with teaching just on the podcast in general. So I'm sure that y'all might, might experience the same thing. Yeah, it's like how did people, how did other people be be able to invest better, better, faster, and smarter than we did? Yeah. So mm -hmm. as we learn, we try to share so that they can navigate some of the challenges and gaps. They like our next gen accelerator family. They know we are like the hundred percent real. So they learn through our failures and through our successes, mm -hmm. through our challenges, and how we navigate all the above. So it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. So um, you, since you mentioned failure, um, I, I want you just to share a little bit about the failures that you've had along the way, because I know me and Alice have had our fair share of failures the past couple of years. So I don't know if y'all have had the same same uh, luck as we have or if you had better luck. So you want to share that with us for a little bit? You're not real in real estate unless you can be out here sharing horror stories. We have horror stories, <laughs> stories. and failures for days. For stories for days, bro. For days. For days. I don't want to scare anybody away. So no. <laughs> one, one of the ones that I can think of was our first house that we bought in Baltimore. Um, and we, you know, the, the tenants stopped paying and they were pretty upset that, you know, they were putting them themselves out. So we went through the eviction process, the formal eviction process. We, we put them out. We had their stuff in a storage, the whole nine. Well, during the turnover process, you know, we're expecting different things, but it, it didn't look so bad. We're painting the walls again. We put more carpet in. We're like, okay, this isn't too bad. Let's get it listed. Get it listed. Get another tenant. They're occupied. It's stable, right? At least we thought it was stable. About two or three weeks go by, and they call us about the plumbing, and it's over and over again. The plumbing isn't working. It's slow. It's really slow. We're like, did you try Drano? Let's get somebody over there to snake it. 
whatever, whatever. And eventually the plumbing just completely stops. Mm. We're like, what in the world is going on? So, <laughs> I was like, no, I had a flashback. So what <laughs> happened was they, so, so we got a call and they're like, we have a backup, like the, the sewage is like coming out of like sink. Like, what do we mm. do? And we, what we found out was the previous tenant um, had broken in and we knew they broke in, but we thought they just took some of their stuff. They broke in and they put powder concrete in our pipes. And so when the new tenant came in and was using water, the concrete, the powder and the water mix, and it turns into concrete. That concrete then back, like creates a, you know, stoppage and everything. So we had, we literally had a tenant put concrete in our pipes. We had to redo all the mainline plumbing, all the returns. It was just, it was a nightmare. We got stories for days. For days. <laughs> for days. Did y'all go after them? No. We no, did. I, at a certain I point, like you can't really like what are you gonna do? You know, they, they got evicted, so and you they don't really have it. the money to you can't really mm. prove it. can't prove it. We did have a police report to say that they that they had um broken in, yeah. but you can't really prove it. It would have been it would have cost us more time, energy, and everything else to go after them for a few thousand dollars of of plumbing, but we would have had to spend a few thousand dollars to fight them. And they got evicted, they had no money anyway. Mm -hmm. like, there was really yeah. no no point. It was a nightmare. We yeah. got so like we got stories. We got stories. <laughs> got me scratching have, my head. <laughs> yeah. We have stories. That's crazy. That one of the craziest ones I heard. Yeah, I've <laughs> yes. heard an, I've heard a few bad ones, but that that one might be up there with top three. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, people are vengeful. And people, when, whenever they, they make a mistake and they want to blame you, they, you know. So, but I think what, what was important about that whole, that whole story and scenario, and, and we changed a lot of things as a result, we didn't, we didn't find and screen that tenant, yeah. right? And mm -hmm. so we had used a property manager, they had placed a tenant and, and all those types of things. And so we changed a lot of how we um, find tenants, screen tenants, interact with tenants as a result of that, that really improved how we did business yeah. right we learned we failed forward right we learned from that experience and we actually stopped working with with property managers all together honestly right. um because we interview our tenants we're like how you live in we want to know you know what's your goals what's your five-year plan not just because we want to make sure we're bringing in <laughs> we get into it but not just because we want to know who we're bringing in but also because one of our goals is that you're positioning yourself for future home ownership, right? We want to build home ownership in Baltimore. So we want to make sure we're working with the right folks to do that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we we went through and then we had to adjust, figure out what happened. And we were like, we would have never brought these people into our home. Like right. we would have never done that if we had talked to them and, and interacted. And so we need to create some process um, to make sure that we never went through that again. Man, that's that's. Oh man, that's a crazy story, but I love the fact that y'all looked at it from that perspective and you said, okay, what can, what can I take from this? It what was hard to find that, that silver lining in yeah, that one. we had to exhale first, because really, mm -hmm. you really kind of want to fight when you got silver <laughs> Oh yeah. But, but you have to, um, you know, we had to figure it out and keep it moving. Oh yeah. Sure. No, me and Alice was just reading a book about that, talking about like how pe the people who recognize temporary defeat versus uh, just true failure, and the people who can recognize any type of uh, failure as a, like a, a opportunity to uh, actually learn a, a new um, learn a new lesson from it. Those are people who end up succe succeeding in life versus the people who are faced with some type of adversity and just give up completely afterwards. Because I know a lot of people would have said, "Nah, forget real estate. I'm selling all my stuff. I'm out of here. Like this is done. Yes. I'm not doing this." Except that. Not, not right, <laughs> and I think I think Master P did like a um a thing not that long ago. He's like, it's an L isn't a loss; it's a lesson, right? How are you exactly. taking that information and doing something else with this? So, y'all yeah. right. truly exemplified that. So, props to y'all on that. Uh, <laughs> there's a, a couple a couple of things I want to get into before we wrap it up. Um, I was when I was talking y'all's IG page, it was something I seen. It was on the um as far as the uh, it was about taxes. You can um pretty much put your child on payroll, right? And so I, I know that, well, I saw that on y'all's page, y'all have a daughter, um, and I was kind of curious to ask, well, can y'all talk about what that is and kind of how that works? Um. So, yeah, so we, our daughter is, we call her the CEO of Charm Sea Buyers, right? She's a, the honorary CEO. We do everything with her in mind, one, right? Thinking about generational wealth and legacy, 
And two, she really rocks with us. She's in the office with us right now, right? Um, so she's with us, working with us. She will do administrative work. She's going to do, um, you'll see her with us during photo shoots. She'll do her own videos. Um, and so she is part of the, the brand in which Charm C. Byers is. So yes, she is an employee. She does get paid. Um, she will file her taxes. Um, and do all of those types of things. And it is um, great for her because it's it's learning and it's, it's um, you know, lessons on, on earning and hard work. And if she's not helping, I'm like, well, sis, you ain't about to get paid for today. And she's mm -hmm. like, all right, well, and she'll go ahead and do what she needs to do. So some, some lessons like that. And then, you know, as a business financially, it makes sense. Um, uh, because you know, you're able to, to leverage your income in smart, like tax advantage ways. Um, and then, you know, be able to, for her, share her taxable income is going to be a lot less than ours or, you know, business taxes. So, but yeah, she does the work. So she does the work. So she gets paid accordingly. Yeah. Nice. That nice. Is, and she's, is she's six, seven years old, right? She's six years old. Yeah. Nice. We're going to be That's... interviewing her in 10 years for sure. Baller, <laughs> <laughs> believe me, she can come over here and be interviewed now. She's a trip. And that's what, that's what I would want to kind of talk about because that's one of that's an amazing tax strategy for business owners. Because I'm big on like I love taxes. I mean, just in terms of like reducing tax liability and those kind of things. I love talking about that kind of stuff. So like those kind of strategies are amazing. You can literally put your child on payroll as an employee, and uh, do, do, I mean it's money you're going to give them anyway. So you can decrease your taxable income just by paying them as an employee instead of just mm -hmm. you know giving them cash or whatever you're going to do when you pay them an allowance. So that's right. like an amazing strategy that, I mean, you would just wouldn't, that's the stuff we talk about. If you're not a owner, you can't take advantage of that stuff. And um, one thing I, I did, because wanted to talk about, because a lot of people, um, a lot of people listening, you know, they think that um, it's really entrepreneurship or a nine to five kind of thing, right? That you can't really do both of those things at the same time. And even, you know, further than that, um, like there's level one financial freedom and then there's kind of what y'all are doing, like building an empire, buying the blocks, those kind of things. Right. So do you think like in terms of like when you're approaching, like getting into real estate and getting into uh, business and these kind of things, you think the approach is different? Because I know some people, they just want to, you know, get a couple of properties or whatever the case be, be able to pay for their expenses. And some people want to do what y'all are doing too, building an empire. Do you think the approach is different or how do y'all, what do you think about that in terms of like in that mindset. Absolutely. I think um, understanding your why, understanding exactly what you're looking for and exactly what you want to do and understanding yourself and your your, your network and, and your team uh, it dictates a lot of um, kind of where you want to go and what you want to do. And if your team members don't quite fit what you're looking to do in your life, then you need to switch things out. Um, I know for us, it was it's it's community. It's uh, complete neighborhood change. Mm -hmm. It's these kind of grand scale visionary thoughts. We want to revamp Baltimore. We want to do this uh, nationally in multiple cities. Um, for some people, though, it's just it's you know I just want three rental units, which right. is perfectly fine yeah. if that's the strategy that's and that's perfect. the goal. Perfect. You can dial it down a little bit. You don't have to move as quickly. Be as stressed out. You don't have to be as creative with the financing. You can take your time with it. That's perfectly fine. We yeah. we work with everybody from people who are looking to do better than us, more than us, mm -hmm. um, to people who are looking to just have a handful of properties, only rent to a specific group, like a Section Eight in a specific zip code, and that's it type of thing. I think, I mean, it, everyone has their role. Everyone can play their position, right? At the end of the day, our goal is generational wealth, right? We want to we want to help um, guide folks through the process of building generational wealth for themselves and their families. And we want to add value in Baltimore. So how you play your position and your role in that is, is cool, right? Like, it's cool. And so we, we're all about um, at the very base of everything, everyone's going to go through the process of what am I trying to do and why, right? From there, your goals and how you achieve those goals are going to vary based on how you move. Um, and that's completely cool. So we, like I said, with um, like with our Next Gen Accelerator, everyone kind of is where they are. So we, it's a group program. So there's like group interaction, there's community, um, tons of community. We're definitely like a family um, but then there's that one-on-one, -on -one, like, 
Like we want to know you, what you want to do, how you want to accomplish it, and then how can we help and support you achieve that goal? Yeah, it really is a great program. We've got dozens of people who are moving fast, buying units, buying rentals, moving into flips, house hacking, house hacking, subject to seller finance. They're they're implementing all of the strategies. It's a lot of fun watching them grow and and just feeling the positive energy in the group. Everybody's very collaborative. Like, oh, congratulations, you did it. Ah you know, rah, rah, and which is, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah. it's, I couldn't ask for a better group of, um, of family members, really. Yeah. Oh, quick dis- disclaimer. I know um, we, we gave a little bit of tax advice when it came to our daughter. We are not CPAs. We are not attorneys. Um, if you have any questions about any of that, seek you your, somebody else. Yeah, seek somebody <laughs> in your local jurisdiction, your city, your state, who is a more seasoned professional and can really guide you towards the correct ways of doing things. We are doing it based on what we've learned and, and who we've networked with our CPA, our attorneys. Um, but we don't want to, we don't want to uh, portray as that. Uh, that's a good point. I'm, I, we talk about taxes so much. I never forget to say, <laughs> to, to say that. You should say that every time. You should say that every time. Yep. Yeah. And write it in somewhere. Sure. Yes. Okay. I'm a, I appreciate that little nugget. I need to uh, get into that mindset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, ain't nobody coming for me talking about Khalil said you this, that, and the third. <laughs> nah, you know, mm, you ain't coming for me. Nope. Hey, here's the right now. In the past, if I said anything, I'm just talking based off what I, what I read. <laughs> You're not giving advice. Yeah, we're not giving. You're not advice. giving financial advice. No. Sure. And I see uh, Khalil, you over there uh, repping your repping your organization, Charm City Buyers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, can you tell us a little bit about that and like uh, what that is? Um, what what do y'all do uh, for the community and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. And you you brought up a real key word, fear. That's mm-hmm. such a huge part of why we do what we do and and how we structure our next gen accelerator, which we'll talk about in a second. But Charm City Buyers is our full service real estate development company. It encompasses um, you know, property management, construction management, uh, rentals, and, uh, mentorship, um, kind of this all, all hands on deck effort. It's basically like we're entrepreneurs, what needs to get done? All right, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, it's really what we do with Charm Seabird, it's how do we impact people, right? And provide people the guidance, resources, and knowledge to be able to build generational wealth for themselves and build a legacy, right? And that's how we are sharing through mentorship and stuff like that. And then it's as Charm City, which is the nickname for for Baltimore, right? How are we adding value in Baltimore? How are we impacting Baltimore? How are we changing Baltimore? How are we um, making sure that we are connecting the dots. So what happened in D.C., which is, you know, the chocolate city, you know what I mean? It ain't really all that chocolate all, all the time, right? And it's, it's changed. Like, D.C. has changed so much over the last 10 to 15 years, and, and Baltimore is where D.C. was maybe 15 years ago. So how do we take what we learned from that situation and apply it now? And so through that, we've been filling a lot of gaps, like Khalil said, right? So from providing the resources to having a seat at the table with city and state officials around real estate and housing and all those types of things, partnering with nonprofits in the city to help support some of the gaps that they may have around what they want and try to do with real estate and not having the information or the tools um, or the experience to be able to make it happen um, being able to make sure that as property values are increasing and people are investing in Baltimore, all the eyes and dollars are in the city, that we have positioned folks to have ownership, whether it's their personal home or through investments in Baltimore, so that they can they can ride that wave as well. Like we're, we are really focused on how do we change the narrative around what wealth looks like um, and who and what Baltimore is. Yeah, that's man. Y'all, you, and I love I love the fact that y'all kind of created like an it's like an enterprise, right? And anything, everything you just have like the umbrella company, and then everything else is is in, in company under there. And then what y'all have within there is also you know the education portion of it. So you're still trying to bring people with y'all on this journey that y'all are on too. And that's that's really key because you know a lot of people, especially in this day and age. Where you know we have social media and everything. There's it's so many ways to learn now, but you know that 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 mentorship and seeing people doing it firsthand, it, nothing is ever going to beat that. So you know, kudos to y'all. 
So kind of to wrap up, I know we, we want to do like a, we do this with every guest, like a fast five sort of thing where we ask five questions and you just answer them in 60 seconds or less um, for each one. So um, let's get right into that. So my first question, what does success mean to you? Options. Yeah, freedom. Success is freedom. Freedom of choice. I wholeheartedly agree. So yeah. number two, uh, what's your favorite money or business book? Think and Grow Rich. The secret for me. I don't know if it's a money or business book. It's more the of mindset. a mindset book. Um, mm-hmm. But the, the secret. Once I change the way I think, it's it's a wrap. Yeah. Who is that by? The secret. Um. Oh, I have to look it up. But while remember. while we're look looking it up, the secret is about um, uh, controlling your thoughts and channeling positive thoughts uh, outward, so that positive energy can then be attracted to you. So using positive phrasing saying things like like don't let this fall no like hold on to this tight right just like small shifts in the way you think and the way you speak in order to positively uh uh control the things that come into your life yeah you, you put out what you want to get but it's by Rhonda Byrne Rhonda Byrne okay that's good <clears throat> perfect so what's the best piece of advice you can give to people just I'm going to regurgitate some advice that I saw on Twitter from Jay-Z years ago. I think this was back when I was in college, 2008, 2009. Um, Somebody asked him, he was on Twitter and he rarely does that, but people were asking him questions, he was answering them. Um, And somebody asked him, um, what's the best piece of entrepreneurial advice that you can give? And he said, "Um, don't listen to anybody because everybody's scared. It's like, like all right, bet, tat it on me. Let's get it permanent. We out. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm not even going to follow Don't up with nothing. Like That's a good Everybody one. Everybody is scared. I like that one. Like, if Jay-Z said it, all right, cool. <laughs> like, say no more. <laughs> say less. For right. sure. All right, so number four. If you could go back and change anything about your journey, what would it be? Mm. Yeah. We, we brought up earlier, we could have potentially house hacked that first one, but who knows what, what would have happened. Yeah, I think that would have changed we, everything. Yeah, we might not have found our first tenant who's been our longest standing, most stable. We, wouldn't, we probably wouldn't have moved back to Baltimore. We probably wouldn't have moved back to Baltimore. We'd have kept staying on that block, doing multiple houses on that block. Yeah, I mean, I um, I I hesitate to change. Even the, the most challenging pieces of our journey, um, which there have been several, um, We've learned from, like, it, it positioned us for for more, and I think um, every yeah. L is a lesson. So I, I, wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't change anything. I'd be careful about shifting things around. That's really good. Okay. So where can people find out more about y'all? So definitely um, check us out, uh, Charm Sea Buyers, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We did launch a YouTube channel where we share some information uh, weekly. So definitely check us out on YouTube, Charm City Buyers, um, and CharmCityBuyers.com. So it, it, we keep it pretty simple um, with, with how to find us, but but definitely connect. We're all about how do we provide people with the, the guidance, resources, and the knowledge to be able to build generational wealth through real estate. And so hopefully we can guide y'all in that same fashion. Well, appreciate it. It's been a great episode with y'all. Glad to have y'all come on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Y'all, we had some celebrities on the show today. Um, These are some people that I definitely need to be following and uh, on Instagram and listening and learning from because, you know, (laughs) it's the best way to learn right now. Um, Just absorbing as much information as you can on social media, books, or anything, especially, you know, from people that are in there doing it. So definitely check them out. Yeah, and if you if you're listening to applying to Next Gen Accelerator, just make sure you write down in in one of the boxes where you learned about it from, and and let us know that you heard this podcast. We'd love to to hear your feedback. Yeah, perfect. perfect. All right, cool. I appreciate y'all coming on the show, and uh, it was good talking to y'all. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Man, what an episode! What an episode! They, <laughs> I told y'all, man, that was a that was a lot of value in that episode. So. I hope y'all definitely got something out of that one. Marlon, what do you think of it? Man, I just, I, like I said in the beginning, I knew uh, our listeners were going to get a lot of value from this episode. And I think if y'all ain't catch nothing, then y'all just, y'all was zoned out that whole time. Go listen again, because they was dropping a lot of a lot of gems in, in there for y'all. And it should really be a motivation to y'all to take action and not be so afraid to, like, not suffering from, like, analysis paralysis and stuff. Like, just being afraid to take the first step. Get out there and take action, man, because you never know what may happen, regardless of 
if you have uh, cement coming out your <laughs> cement <laughs> coming out your sinks and clogging it up like hey bro that's just like school of hard knocks but at the end of the day you, you can still find your way to success if you end up like them so hope somebody yeah, learned something from that episode yeah i'm definitely fighting my tenants if they if, <laughs> if they did that bro now nah, that's you they they better than me they was like oh man what can you do shoot now me bro i'm coming after you <laughs> yeah bro, you gonna like, have to see me <laughs> that would kill me bro i'm i'm glad it wasn't me i hope it yeah. i hope it isn't ever me either but yes, um, that's it for this episode of the Money Monopolies podcast. New episodes will be released every Thursday whenever we release them. And will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Just search Money Monopolies wherever you listen to podcasts. We hope you learned something of value today. If you did, we'd appreciate it if you rated us five stars and left us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also find out more info about us on Twitter at the Monopolizers or on IG at Money Monopolies. We post informative content on there that'll keep you engaged. So check that out and share those posts. But until then, we out of here. <laughs> been listening to the money monopolizers podcast helping you take control of your financial destiny to learn more about how you can be in control of your money visit moneymonopolizers.com we'll catch you next time when alex and marlin share more personal finance and wealth creation tips with you now it's time to take action